Good morning, New Life. If you have your Bibles with you, um, please turn to Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord God gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand and with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youth without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself in the, with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And the chief of the eunuchs allowed him, oh, not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who, is, who has assigned your food and drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king? Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for the four youths, God gave them learning and skills in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom been loosed in this place to word. We thank you for the power, the authority of your word. I thank you that your word has been loosed in this place today. And I pray, Lord, that it would accomplish that which you sent it to do, that your purposes and plans would be accomplished. I pray, Lord, for open ears and open eyes. I pray for open hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in this place today from the front to the back, from one side to the other. May every single soul in this place, Lord, be touched by the power of your spirit. Move, O oh God, have your way, and let us, Father God, see your kingdom come in this place, right here, right now. 
in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, um, I'm glad you're here. We are beginning, as I have told you, uh, I've been leading up to this. I have been doing a lot of studying, a lot of time that I have put into the sermon series called Behind the Curtain. Behind the Curtain, we, you know, uh, I, I want to take a look at some things that normally we may not always see or recognize or look at. And we're beginning, as, I, as Megan read, in, in Daniel chapter 1. There's a lot to this, and we're going to take some time, and we're going to pour over this. We'll move then. I want to set the stage. My, my thought is I want to set a stage for a platform, a foundation for what we're building in this series behind the curtain. And then we're going to move back and begin to take a look historically at some of the things that happened and how it relates to us. And we'll move through 1 Kings, uh, possibly into 2 Kings. We'll, we'll just see how far we go. So again, you, you need to, you know, if you really want to get it all, you got to be here. So I, I really want you to make a commitment to come out and be a part because there is a lot in this and I think it's valuable, vitally important things that I'm, I want to share with you. Things that honestly have, have been changing my life and I want you to have that same experience with the Lord. I was, uh, as I was preparing all of this, I was overwhelmed with, I guess I shouldn't say that I'm overwhelmed with in this time, but I'm overwhelmed with this all the time. I cannot believe the kind of, um, doesn't it seem like we just got done with a presidential election? Yes. And here we are now, we are, we are just a little over a year away from another presidential election. Yes. Yes. Woohoo! Man, oh man, I'm just healing from all the arrows I took last time. Didn't you? I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I mean, it, it, we are overwhelmed with the awareness that there is a presidential election that's coming. And again, I want to warn you. Warning, warning, warning. It's going to get loud. And it's going to get messy. And it's going to get crazy. And it's going to get nasty. And that's in the church. Man, there's going to be a lot of conflict. There's going to be a lot of things going on. There's going to be a lot of things vying for your attention, pulling you this way, pulling you that way. People will say everything. People are going to be just freaking out about what's coming up, about what's going on. And a couple of things that I see that are going to happen, and these are things that for you and for me that we're going to be tempted into. In this coming, upcoming election cycle, people are going to get fixated to focus on that which is seen. Yeah. And church, with this series, and this is why I feel like it's just so important as we go into this season, that we stop and we take a look through this series, what's going on behind the curtain? What's going on behind the things that we see? What's going on in the realm that we don't see? What's going on all around us in these unseen places? And again, I'm not just talking politically. I'm talking about in every aspect of our world, in every aspect of our culture. There are things that are going on behind the scenes that we don't see. And a lot of people just want to write it off because I can't see it. It must not be real. My goodness, God, you know what? God is amazing. Look at how good God is at overcoming that argument. Yes, amen. Can you see the air you breathe? Yet yeah, you still believe it. Yeah. 
So people are going to be fixated on that. And behind the world in which you see, church, behind that world is a world that God rules and God reigns. There is a reality in the presence of God, a reality of the angelic beings in that world that is behind the curtain is just as real as the world in which we sit in right now, just as real as the people that sit around you right now, just as real is this angelic kingdom that's happening behind the curtain. And, and my prayer is that we go through this, is that God in the midst of it all, that you would not become fearful and overwhelmed, but that God would give you hope, that God would give you courage, that God would give you strength as you walk through all of this so that you can keep your faith, so that you don't have to compromise your faith or walk away from your faith because you live in a world that's lost its mind. It's crazy what, what is happening. And we need to look at it. Now, the second thing that I want to warn you about that, that will happen in this upcoming election cycle, and again, not even in the upcoming election cycle, although that seems to instigate things, but what's going on in these, what the Bible calls these last days, these end times. Church, I, you know, whatever your thoughts and beliefs are about the end times, every day we get a day closer. And, and those days are coming. And in these days, you're going to feel the, feel the, the, the power from which you will be pulled, the power that will be used against you or in your life to pull particularly believers to veer hard to the right or veer hard to the left. And, and that's what we're, we're going to be tempted to do that. We're going to be tempted to be pulled over to the right or pull, tempted to be pulled to the left. And some of you, some of you are probably already feeling that tension. Some of you are probably already feeling that at family dinner times. I, I mean, I say all of this knowing that Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming. The in-laws are coming. The in-laws are coming. It's already early enough to where, for many of you, you're already applying that tension to people. That, oh man, you need to pick, you need to, you know, you need to decide whose side you're on. You need to go to the right. You need to go to the left. My hope and my prayer, church, listen, please hear my heart in this. My hope and prayer is not to pull you to the right or to the left, but to pull you up. That in this time that we could see things from a kingdom advantage, that we could see things from the eyes of an eagle as we rise up to soar above all of the hectic helter-skelter that's happening in our world today, to pull you up so that from that view you can begin to look at human history, that you can begin to look at humanity, that you can begin to look at nations and kingdoms and kings and rulers and those things that are happening in our life, that you can see elections and you can see politicians and you can see political campaigns and you can see decisions all not from the perspective of right or left but from the perspective of the kingdom of God from the perspective of Jesus Christ our sovereign God the king of kings the lord of lords the God who is sovereign that we could not see or look from the right or the left but that we would begin to look at what's going on from a kingdom down perspective amen. Oh, amen. I pray that that's what this does amen so I'm going to set just the foundation today and, um, and, and go through this. I, don't, I'm going to, I want to stick to my notes because I have got so many things swirling around in my mind. 
I don't, I don't want to blow the end, <laughs> tell you the punchline. I, I want to take us methodically through something here. And the first thing that I want to talk about in, in the backdrop of what we're, where we're going is this, this scripture in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1. And I want to talk about a place that's described there. It's a place called Babylon. Church, Babylon is a bad place. Babylon is not good. And, and, and what happened in Babylon is recorded. You can read through all of Daniel. What happened in Babylon is recorded here. But there's a couple of things that I want you to recognize as we look at this, as we look at Daniel chapter 1, as you look at Babylon. I want you to see Babylon in two ways. I want you to see. Look, these are interpretive keys. You need to use these two things every time you read through Daniel or one of the, especially the prophetic books, that you would use these interpretive keys to help you interpret what it is that's being said. And that's that's throughout this book of Daniel. And the first thing is this, that Daniel is a true story. It's an actual story, a historical story that is true about a man who lived in an ancient time and he was taken to live in a place called Babylon. So it's a real thing. It's a real place. It's something that really happened. But I also want you to see that behind Babylon is a spirit. There's a spirit realm, and behind Babylon, there is a demonic counterfeit to the kingdom of God. And that is the storyline of the Bible. God creates, Satan counterfeits. God creates, Satan counterfeits. The worldview of the Bible is that at work, behind everything, behind all of the things, behind the, the nations of the past and the nations that are to come, behind the empires that have been, empires that may come, behind the movements that have happened, behind all of these you know, billion dollar corporations that sometimes rise up. Listen church, there is a spirit at work. There are spirit beings that are at work behind the scenes, behind the curtain that are doing things to influence the world and the people in the world and the kingdoms of the world and the nations of the world and the leaders of the world. There are spirits that are at work in all of these places. You, know, you may have questions about the spirit realm. Absolutely good. But listen, the one thing we can't do or we will absolutely submit ourselves to the enemy's plan is we can't doubt the spirit world. It's real. These spirit realms and the spirits that are at work and the realms in which we, we, we even operate today, the spirits that are at work, they started off in the presence of God. These spirit beings, these angels, they were in the presence of God. And at one point, they joined Satan in declaring war against God because Satan wanted God's place. He wanted to be in that place of being worshiped as God. And there are certain beings that were with him and they tried to overthrow God in his kingdom. They tried to overthrow God as the king of his kingdom and to overthrow God's kingdom with a demonic counterfeit kingdom. And they lost that war. And these these angelic beings were cast down to the earth. And ever since then, church, look, you know what? The spirits, the, the de demonic realm, they don't do new things. They do the same things over and over again. Amen. And since that time on the earth, they have continued to do the, seek to do the same thing. And that is to set up a counterfeit kingdom that's ruled by Satan, not by the Lord. Amen. A counterfeit kingdom that's governed by demonic powers, not the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is Babylon. 
And Babylon is an ancient city. And behind the ancient city of Babylon, and again, don't get caught up on a name. This is what I'm calling it. And again, just because of what I, what I believe God would have us call this spirit, is behind, the, behind this ancient city, this ancient place of Babylon, is the spirit of Babylon, yeah. a demonic spirit. And it's a demonic spirit that I will show you is at work in every culture, in every nation, in every age. Daniel, Daniel, listen, not just Daniel, I'm using that because we just read that, but Daniel and the entire Bible and, and every single book, it's not telling us in the scriptures, church, about just what happened. It's not a history book that we read. It is history, and we can get history out of that, but it's not necessarily just a history book telling us what happened. The Bible is a story telling us what happened and what always happens. He's telling us what will always go on and what will always continue to go on when there is a conflict between the kingdom of God and the spirit that's seeking to establish the kingdom of Babylon. And in that conflict, Daniel's telling us, hey, this is what's going to happen. So we're going to look at that. What does happen? Let me jump forward for a moment here because in the book of Revelation, we are given some really cool interpretive keys that are specifically about Babylon, some things that we can look at as, as, as Revelation's ties. You know, Revelation is the New Testament prophetic corollary that will tie to Daniel for us. And so in the book of Revelation, we've got these clues. And Babylon, you know, again, I want you to see Babylon is throughout the Bible. The, the, the whole Babylon and the spirit that's at work, it, it's declared through the whole word of God and it comes to an end in the book of Revelation. The very end of that. And it shows us, church, and I want you to see this because I don't want anybody to be discouraged about what's going on. The Revelation shows us what happens when King Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom that will never end, a kingdom that will continue. And when he does that, he will come set up his kingdom and he will crush every other kingdom and every other king and they will be no more. So we see in Revelation, we see in, in chapter 14, we see in chapter 16, we see in chapter 17, we see in, in chapter 18, it, it talks about Babylon, talks about, and, and really calls it, and if you, you read through those chapters and what the word tells us about Babylon, you will see that, again, in, a, in this, my description, Babylon is the mother of prostitutes. That's basically what the word says. And again, if you take that and you begin to look through Proverbs and Psalms and the other books of the Bible where it talks about the prostitute, where it talks about the scarlet woman, where it talks about those things, and you, you relate what I'm talking to you today about to those scriptures and where you see those descriptions, you will find that the word of God will come to life and, and you'll open your eyes to something that's going on behind the scenes. And I want you to see that God, in his word, calls Babylon the mother of prostitutes. Well, what does God create? God creates a people, and he says that the people he creates, they're my bride. Satan's counterfeit. He creates a people that are the prostitutes of Babylon. See, God creates, Satan counterfeits. God is creating Satan is always counterfeiting. Babylon is the counterfeit of the people who belong to God. 
But in the end, Revelation, in the end, it says this. In Revelation, a number of different places, it tells us over and over. It says that fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great. So there is a place where there is a rise to greatness in Babylon. And it's talking about in Revelation, a time that's yet to come. So there is a greatness that's there. But God tells us, fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Praise God. But it also tells us that what that means is that Babylon, that the spirit of Babylon will continue to work. That the, that, that the spirit of Babylon will continue throughout history, the rest of this lifetime and the lifetimes that are to come until Jesus comes. The spirit of Babylon will be at work through nations and through countries and cultures and times and places. And it began long before Daniel. Long before Daniel. It began at the moment that Satan was cast down from heaven and cast here to the earth. And will continue to work until that day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and he brings war and finally destroys those false demonic kingdoms once and forever. Amen? Amen? Now, in those days, in the ancient days, back in the, you know, in the biblical times, even back into the book of Genesis, you see the spirit of Babylon that was at work. You see the spirit of Babylon bringing deception into the Garden of Eden. You see the spirit of Babylon at work in cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. You see the spirit of Babylon that was at work in cities like Nineveh as you go through time. You'll see in Exodus, you see the spirit of Babylon at work in Egypt as they take the people of God captive as they make slaves of them. Moving forward, you see the spirit of Babylon at work in Nazi Germany. Church, that was demonic. That was a demonic intent that was set against the people of God and it was ultimately against God himself. We see today the spirit of Babylon that continues to be at work in, in nations like North Korea. We see the spirit of Babylon at work in evil regimes like Iran. We see the spirit of Babylon at work in drug cartels that are infecting our country, that are infecting our world with something that is hideous and horrible and bringing destruction and death to the lives of so many people, filling our world with destruction. It's the spirit of Babylon. We see the spirit of Babylon at work in human trafficking. We see the spirit of Babylon at work today in political campaigns. We're seeing it in social agendas and social platforms. We see the spirit of Babylon today creating brand new cultural norms and things that are just totally acceptable in the culture. We see the spirit of Babylon. Look, I mean, the spirit of Babylon is ruling and reigning in social media. I never saw so much nastiness, so much corruption, and so much hatred being spewed back and forth. It's demonic. Amen, Pastor Mark. <laughs> You'll like this one then too. Spirit of Babylon is at work in our education systems. Look, the spirit, you know what the spirit of Babylon is doing in our education systems? Training the generations to be Babylonians. 
Now, again, I'm not saying that we, you know, pull out of every one of these places. I'm not saying if you're a Christian teacher, I can't be. No, listen, I'm not saying we pull out and give up. I'm saying we need more Christians that will invest their life into going into the darkness and being the light. We need more Christians that will get involved on school boards. Some of you need to run for school board. Some of you need to be a part of the solution and let the light shine into those dark places. We can't give up. We're the only ones that have the power and authority to overcome those dark spirits that are at work. And we need to rise up. I'm gonna, I will talk to you about Elijah in the coming days, but Elijah was a prophet that stood up. He stood up. Amen. Where are the Elijahs today? Where are those who will rise up and stand up and begin to declare? You know what? In that time, the, 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 God told Elijah, no, not everybody bowed down. There were 7,000 hiding in a cave. Amen. Are we hiding in a cave? Or are we out there speaking to the forces of hell that are trying to capture our children? Come on, church. Look, the spirit of Babylon is at work. The spirit of Babylon is at work. And it's at work, again, I'm not saying that it's having victory, but I'm saying it's at work in your life. He's trying to come against you. He's trying to. The spirit of Babylon is at work in our world. The spirit of Babylon is at work in our nation. The spirit of Babylon is at work in our culture. And the spirit of Babylon is at work in your life. Trying to, in your life, set up a counterfeit kingdom or counterfeit culture that's anti-God. And many of us have given in to some of that. We've allowed the spirit of Babylon to twist us up and make us believe things that are not scriptural, but it fits because we like it in our flesh. Look, the spirit of Babylon is seeking to overtake every sphere of life. Everything, church. Beginning with, and again, I want you to see this, beginning with sexuality. Sexuality today is nothing like what God's word declares it to be. Is this, is this on? <laughs> it has become dissonant in marriage as they come together in procreation. It has become something that has become nothing more than a self-centered, self-pleasuring way of being unbiblical. And it's affected every other area. Church, you can't help but look around and see how sexuality has infected. This perverse kind of sexuality has perverted way of living, has infected all these other areas of culture today. The politics today, it it as well. It's being perverted. Morality today, philosophy, education, parenting, gender. Do you ever dream that you'd send your kids to school and not sure whether a boy or girl were coming home? Do you know that there's a new law going on that, that, that is being voted on in California that this new law may make it child abuse for you to stop your child from going through the process of chemical castration because they're gender dysphoria? The spirit of Babylon is trying to do everything it can to bring a counterfeit kingdom that is incompatible, totally opposed to the kingdom of God. And some of us have our foot, one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of Babylon. Not by where we are, 
but by where we have allowed our minds, where we've allowed our spirit to stand. You know, the Bible says you're either with me or you're against me. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this, the spirit of Babylon. Three things that the spirit of Babylon wants to do to you. Three things that the spirit of Babylon is seeking to take from you, to do to you, and to invest in you. Out of this, this scripture here in Daniel. And not just in that day, but because he's after you today. The enemy, he is after you in every generation, including today. And then I want to talk about three things that the Spirit of God wants to do in you, for you, through you. Okay, because we are not a people without hope. We are not. Oh, I mean, the enemy may be great, but our God is greater. So God has given us all sorts of wonderful things that we can take hold of. So I'm going to take you get in. You're going to have to come back because I'm going to share with you just part of one thing today, and we'll move into the next. And I, you know, again, I don't really care how long it all takes. This is all stuff we have got to have. This we have got to open our eyes to what is going on behind the curtain. Because the Bible tells us that our weapons of warfare are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. That we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. We're not battling what's on this side of the curtain. This side of the curtain's not our enemy. It's what's happening on the other side of the curtain. Well, how can we fight that if we are not aware of it? Why so many Christians live defeated lives because we have no idea what we're fighting. And so because we don't know, we know we're supposed to fight, so we just fight each other. And oftentimes, it's because we're pulled to the right or to the left, rather than being pulled up. So the first thing I want to share with you today, the spirit of Babylon, and one of the things it wants to do is that the spirit of, the spirit of Babylon wants to topple you, wants to destroy you, wants to enslave you, wants to take you. The spirit of Babylon wants to own you. There, there is a demonic spirit that is after you and it wants you to be his slave. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. Again, now I want you to understand, this is God's people. This is God's nation. This is King Jehoiakim, the, of, of the king of Judah. And in that time, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem to besiege it. So we've got this evil king of ba Nebuchadnezzar, of Babylon coming to, the, to Jerusalem and besieging it. And the Lord gave, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So this whole story historically is happening about 2,600 years ago. I mean, 2,600 years ago, this is what's going on. And you know what the Bible does? The Bible tells us what happened. The Bible tells us what will happen. And the Bible tells us what will go on in eternity. God is, he is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God who knows it all. He's the God of the past, the future. He's the God of eternity. And all of this is in Daniel. All of it's throughout scripture, but in Daniel. Because the same God, the same God that ruled over the yesterdays that Daniel 
Daniel was walking in are the, is the same God that rules over the days in which we walk today and the same God that will walk with us through the days of revelation which are to come and the same God who promises to open the gate so that we might come before him and have eternal life with him. Amen. Our God reigns. I mean, just God, he is, listen, he, today you need to know all. This, again, this historical backdrop, this timeline, God gives us. And we know that this whole thing that's going on in Daniel chapter 1 happened in 605 B.C. Because in 605 B.C., that was the time, the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. And in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, again, so I want you to see this, God creates Israel, and Satan counterfeits with Babylon. Satan is counterfeiting. God is creating. Satan is counterfeiting. Satan is trying to establish his kingdom here on earth, and the way in which he's doing that is by coming against God's kingdom here on earth. And so what does he do? The king of Babylon comes to Jerusalem. He comes to the city of God. He comes against the people of God. And he, the Bible says, besieged it. I, I just think it, it's just a full-blown terrorist attack. And the people of, of Israel are invaded by this other nation. And they're invaded. They're taken captive. They're captured. This is devastating. Can you imagine being in a nation? We'll talk more about this. But you can imagine having an evil enemy coming in and completely devastating everything and taking everybody captive, those who they didn't kill? Verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim the king. The Lord gave. Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. Again, that is the temple. Recognize that this, he's talking about the temple. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, a very important thing as well. I'll explain more of that in the coming weeks. And he took them to the, he took them to the house of his God, to the house of Nebuchadnezzar's God. Listen, it's a counterfeit God. It is a demonic God. It is a false God. Yes, it is. So the articles of God are being brought to a false God. And I, I, I told first sir, I'm going to be bold right now with you. I'm going to be straightforward to all of you, whether you're online or whether you're here. There are not many religions. There are not many gods. There are not many paths that lead to God. There are not, listen, a religion cannot save you. I don't care how many religions there are. There is not a religion that can save you. There is not another God that can save you. There are not many paths like many think. Well, there's many paths and all religions lead to the same place. That is not true. The Bible says there is one God. His name is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He is God of all. And the Bible does not say that Jesus Christ is a way. He says he is the way. And there are no others. Jesus Christ is not a truth. He is the truth. He is not a life. He is the life, church. There is no other. And I want you to say this. I want you to say no one. No, no one. No one comes to the Father but by Him. 
So anything else that has been introduced to your mind, anything else that has been received in your spirit, anything else that has been taught to you, anything else that you have shared with others or told others is a declaration from the spirit of Babylon. It is demonic and intended to take people from the spirit of God because only the spirit of God tells us that Jesus Christ is the way, the hope, the truth, the life. He is the only way unto the Father. There is no other. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Now again, this is what's going on here. Israel, Israel is a nation that God had declared. God had created them. God had decreed Israel to be a nation, a nation that would be his. And he designated the land that would become Israel. So God, not only did he designate the people, but he gave them this land that they would be on. And inside of that land, God called the people through David, who couldn't do it because he was a man of war. He had blood on his hands. So David had to pass down to Solomon the task that God had called in the nation of Israel on the land that he gave them for a temple to be built. A temple that would take the place of the tent of tabernacle and that temple would be built according to the instructions that God had given them very specifically and that that temple would be a place that would house the very presence of God. That God would, do, he would dwell in the holy of holies and that it would begin to draw people to the temple. That people would come there and the people would come to learn God's word. They would come to hear from God. They would come be drawn to the presence of God and the people would come there and they would learn how to live lives that were holy. Lives that were separated. They would learn how to make sacrifice and to be able to be right before God. These people would come and that then they would be a witness to the nations around them by the holy lives, the blessed lives, the separated lives by which they lived, that they would begin to draw the other nations to themselves. And it was through the temple, through the people of Israel, in the nation of Israel, that would come the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, our God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In a nutshell. <laughs> so why? Why would God, why would the Lord allow King Nebuchadnezzar to capture the people of Israel, the city of Jerusalem? Why, why would he do that? And, and you may not like the answer. Because God disciplines his children. God disciplines his children. And God will always discipline his children. In this time here, God punished his children. Punished them for their disobedience. And again, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll, in the end here, I will finish with what I want to share with you about that. But in the Old Testament, God, God you know, I don't like that. I, I don't like, you know what? God didn't ask you. He's God, and he is showing us through the scripture how much he hates sin. She's sharing with us that there is a consequence, there is a punishment, that there will come a time when everybody will pay for what they have done. In this story, in, in Leviticus chapter 25, I put it in your notes. You can find it on the sermon notes. I put the scriptures in there. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But in verses 1 through 7, it says, God gave the people of Israel the land. He gave them the specific land. And then God gave them instructions for how to manage that land. Just like for you and I. Church, listen. God's land. It was his. 
They told the people how to use it. Do you know your house is God's house? That your money is God's money? He's the one that's blessed you with it? Your wallet is God's wallet? Your family is God's family? He's the one who's blessed you with it? You know your computer Your web browser, your Google search is God's web browser. He gives all that to you to manage it, to that you would be a good steward of those things. And he is ultimately the one who owns it all. He owns it all. And you and I, we will stand accountable before God one day as to whether we faithfully stewarded all that God has blessed us with. We'll stand before him one day. And so not only does God give us things, not only does God bless us with things, and we are a blessed people living in a blessed nation. God has given us so much in comparison to the rest of the world. And God has absolutely and richly poured out those blessings. He has given us to steward what is his. And he's also given us instructions as to what he wants done with the things he has blessed us with. I hope that sinks in. Because again, with that being said, that land in Israel, that belonged to God. In Leviticus 25, God said this. He said, every seventh year, I want the land to rest. I want you not to plant anything. Every seventh year, the land gets to rest. Every seventh year, the land gets a Sabbath. And there won't be any planting on that. Well, how are we going to survive? What are we going to do? We'll starve to death in that year. God's like, no, I'll take care of you. We'll starve to death. How can we do that? I don't know what we're going to do. God's like, I'll take care of you. But we'll starve to death. I don't know what we'll do. You know, today we know why. Isn't it crazy how hard science catches up with the Word of God? We're finding more and more and more that science is just proving that what God said in his word is all the absolute truth and the best way for us to go. Science today is telling us that we have an increased ability to create more and more and more and more produce, more crops, more fruit, more vegetables. Do you know that, in the, that they've also shown that the fruits and vegetables and the things that are being produced, the nutritional value is dropping lower and lower and lower and lower? Why? Well, science is finding out that what God said is right. It's happening because we are using the land in such a way that we're just depleting the nourishment. We're, replete, we're just depleting the land, which means that when you deplete the nourishments in the land, the land gets sick. And when the land gets sick, the people that live off of that land get sick also. Look, God's design was that we would do all of these things that he said so that we as God's people, and yes, we live in a fallen world, but God's desire, his design was ultimately that you and I, that we would live and walk in God's divine health. Did you hear me? See, God's plan was ultimately for us to walk in divine health. Now again, we live in a fallen world, but let's just face it, much of the issues and things that we go through in this world are self-inflicted. Yes, they are. You know, I, I mean, 
You know, if you smoke over and over again for years and years and end up with lung cancer, you can't really blame God. Okay, and I'm not talking down about that or making light of that, please. We want to pray for you. Praise God. Because of our slothfulness to walk in divine health, God has given us divine healing. But God made a way for us. And God told the people every seventh year, give the land a rest. But they ignored him. They disobeyed God. For 490 years, they disobeyed God. Do you know that in scripture, there is absolutely not one single scripture that you can find that says the people honored that? There's some different studies and different people that, hey, you know, there's this insinuation and, you know, uh, but nowhere in scripture is there, the God, hey, they did this. But the people, they ignored God. They ignored what he said. They disobeyed him for 490 years. 490 years. That is a long time. Why did God wait for so long? You're going to, again, you're going to appreciate this, I hope. It's because God is a patient God. He is way more patient than any of us as children would be, our parents would be. How many of you are going to tell your kids for 490 years, cut that out, stop that, get off that for 490, you know what, we're 300 years into this thing, you need to cut it out, something's going to happen, if you don't stop, I, I got a wooden spoon, don't make me use it. Babylon is God's wooden spoon. So what happens then? Well, they think, well, you know what? You know, it's been 400 years. Maybe the Bible's not really true. Maybe, maybe God changed his mind. Maybe his instructions were wrong. Maybe it was translated wrong. When they, way back then when they translated the Hebrew to Hebrew. <laughs> Maybe, they, can't you imagine after all that time, maybe God made a mistake. Or I like this. Maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe there's a different interpretation. We like that one today. Well, I don't really like what God says, so I'm going to go on YouTube until I find a video that aligns with what I want. I'm going to search website after website after website until I can find some obscure kind of translation that interprets it in a completely new way, and ha, I get to have what I want. When God says it doesn't matter about what you want, do you want what I want? Do you want what I say? How many times do we think, maybe God changed his mind? You know, I mean, we still think the same way. I was thinking about this the other day. How many times have you, how, how many funerals have you been to where they were like, oh, uh, Sister Sue, she's on fire. <laughs> I mean, she must be hot now because... <laughs> She's in hell. No. Everyone's going to heaven. Everyone's going to heaven. Well, I've been getting away with this for years. Nothing's happened to me. Look at me. Nothing's going on in me in my life. I, you know what? This whole forever thing, God doesn't care. He's not watching what I do. He doesn't know. Nothing bad's happened to me. 
Let me just say this. He will show up. You will stand before him. He tells the people here. He says, well, how long, how long have you disobeyed me? They disobeyed for 490 years. Well, what did I tell you? How, how many, how many days? I told you then every seven years you're to let the land rest. So how many rests did you miss? How many years did you miss? 70 years. How long were the people going to be in Babylon? 70 years. Church, you can do all the math on that that you want. My point is this. And I want you to please hear me. Because this is the most important thing that I've said all day. All of your sin. I don't care how big. I don't care how small. Every little white lie. Every paper clip you walked off with. Everything that you said that shouldn't have been said. Everything that you refused to do that you, shouldn't have, you should have done. Every single rebellion that you have had in your life. Every disobedience that has occurred. Every single thing that you have ever said, done against God. You will ultimately pay for it. Because God does not forget. God does not give up on those things and say, well, it's no big deal. Every single one of them is a big deal to him and you're not gonna get away with anything. Not one little iota, not one little act, not one little word, not one little thing will you get away with if you are not truly born again. You see, the nation of Israel, everybody incurred the punishment of God because of the sin of the nation. Today, we are blessed to have Jesus Christ open the door for those who would call upon his name to come out of the punishment that will come because of sin. Because every single one of us, look, without Jesus, you are storing up for yourself a day of judgment. You are storing up a day where you will stand before God and you will come before his judgment and you will experience his wrath. Well, I don't like that. You know what? You can say that all the way to hell. But God has made a way out and he's brought you here for a day just like this so that you could hear this. These people in Israel, they just kept filling up the cup, filling up the cup, filling up the cup, filling up the cup for the day of God's judgment, filling up the cup of his wrath, filling it up. And finally God came and the people must have thought, oh, we didn't think you were going to come. And God says, I told you I was going to come and you did not believe it. And God poured the cup of wrath right down their throat. Church, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need the God who came in the flesh and lived a perfect, sinless life, who died for you. You need God in the flesh to come into your life and renew you. You need the forgiveness that can only come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You need to come to God that he would give you a new heart. He would give you a new nature. You need the eternal light of God to come in and drive out the darkness that's in you. You need the power of the risen Savior to bring life into dead places. You need the power of God to move in your life and give you the ability and the authority to stand against the spirit of Babylon that wants to overtake your life. God needs to come into your life and he's calling you today to make a decision for Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. And if you refuse that, you should be terrified. You should be terrified to walk out those doors.
to get into a car? Traffic? Church, God forewarned them through the prophets. He had told them over and over again. And in that day, the prophets were so active. You know, it's like in your life. How many of you notice there's times in your life when God's just really active? He's speaking. He's loud. I can see it. I hear it. It's in the Word. I hear it from the Spirit of God. But then there's other times when he's silent. It's like, God, where are you? The reason that he's silent in our lives at times is because you don't need any more information. We are over-informed and under-applied. You don't need more information. You need to be obedient. You need to have faith in. You need to obey what God has already spoken to you. I got a weaker amen there. <laughs> Look, in that day, God had a lot to say to the people. The, 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 there was a lot of prophets that had been raised up. There was contemporaries in the same day as Daniel. There was the prophet Ezekiel that was in that same time. Jeremiah was in that same time. Probably or close to overlapping was Habakkuk in the same time. All these prophets were here at the same time. God raised up this whole team of prophets for the people of God that he could speak to them to tell them of what was going to happen if they continued in their disobedience, if they continued in the way in which they were living. And they couldn't even get more specific. Listen to this. Listen to what Isaiah, this was 100 years before Daniel. Isaiah said this. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your father has, fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. hundred years earlier. And I will also tell you, and I'll talk more about this in the coming, what, one thing that the spirit of Babylon is always trying to do is create eunuchs. We're seeing it in our world today. We've seen it historically. We see it emotionally. We see the enemy creating eunuchs. Do you know why the enemy wants to create eunuchs? Because he's after your legacy. He's after your children and your children's children. What happened in Daniel was prophesied by Isaiah 100 years earlier. Look, what I need you to see is that the, the, the books of the, the Bible that were written by human authors were human authors inspired by the ultimate author, which is God Almighty. He wrote the book. He inspired those who wrote. He's the one who put it together. And when God penned these, these words through the prophets and through the authors of the different books of the Bible, 20% of what was written was prophetic. 20% was prophetic words, prophetic things, things that had not come to pass, that would come to pass. They were prophetic in nature, preparing the people so that they would know what was coming, so that they would know about the judgment of God, so that they would know what was happening. We get mad at God. Well, we don't like what, we don't like what he did to the people of Israel when he took them to Babylon. And God's like, I warned them for 490 years through the prophets. I told them over and over and over again, and they refused to believe. And then God all... Mad. Look, 
God, he's the one who brings these prophetic words so that, because he's the one who, look, the same God, while he was in yesterday, he is the same God that is in today and he is the same God that is in tomorrow. He knows yesterday's, today's, and tomorrow's all at the same time. He knows all of those things and he has given you and I the prophetic words because he knows what tomorrow has and he's speaking these things prophetically to us so that we can know to make the changes, that we can know to give our hearts to Jesus, to let our walk be something that would reflect who we, how we believe in because we believe that God has an intended future. Amen. Worship team, come on back up. Let me ask you to bow your heads for a moment. Just bow your heads. And I want you to, to hear this. So God gave the people of Israel prophetic words and every single prophetic word came to pass. God told them the future. He told them what would happen. And today, church, we have prophecy after prophecy after prophecy regarding the day in which we live today. Do you know that the Bible prophesies to us that there will be an antichrist that will rise up? You know, the Bible prophesies to us that there is a time coming, a time called the Great Tribulation. He, he prophesies that. Do you know that the Bible prophesies to you and I that Jesus Christ will come again? And when he comes again, he will not come to save. He will come to war. He will come to defeat the enemy and to take his people home. Do you know that there is, the Bible tells us, a time coming where the church will be raptured? Do you know that there is a rapture that is coming? God will take his church, his people. Do you know that the word of God prophesies to you and I, please, listen, that each and every one of us will stand before God one day and that many of us will hear the words that Jesus told us, he prophesied to us, that many will hear the words, away from me, you evildoer, I don't know who you are. See, the people of Israel doubted the prophecies. God wouldn't do that. And today... I really believe with all my heart that much of the church doubts these prophecies. Look, will you be one of them? Will you be one who hears those words from the Lord away from me? I don't know who you are. Or will you be one of those that Jesus opens the gate for and says, enter into my Father's kingdom. This is the question. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Are you born again? Well, I'm not asking if you've had mental ascent to you know Jesus Christ known about him I got a 
a, a message from a, a friend of mine that had been a part of our church for years and years and years, probably seven years, eight years, they've been a part of the church. Heard me preach day after, week after week after week. This morning, I get a message from him. Say, man, you'll never believe what happened. I had this experience this weekend with God. God came to me. And for the first time in my life, I got born again. He'd been in church for years. See, the Bible doesn't say you must go to church. He doesn't say you must be here. You must be. He says you must be born again. And that's what he declares. And I know right now, there are many of you that, that the spirit of Babylon is speaking to you and saying, oh, don't worry about it. No big deal. Don't worry about that. You see, the spirit of Babylon is trying to get you to look at the natural, trying to look at what will people think? Oh my goodness, the spirit of Babylon wants you to look in this realm and, and see what people around you might think and say. And the spirit of God is saying, no, look behind the curtain. I'm extending my... See, the spirit of, spirit of Babylon wants you to tell, wants you to know that, hey, you know what? Don't worry, you got tomorrow. You can do this anytime. You can come to Jesus. You can get born again anytime. Don't worry about it. But the Spirit of God says that this is the day of salvation and no man is promised tomorrow. Who will you listen to? Jesus said, you must be born again. Oh, it is free. It is a gift. But you must be born again. And this morning, what I'm going to ask you to do is if you need to be born again, if that is part of your heart today, saying, you know what, I need this. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care what it is. Don't let the enemy stop you. But I want you right here, right now, I want you to stand up right where you are. If you need to be born again today, stand up. Listen to the Spirit of God that's speaking to you behind the curtain. Don't listen to what the enemy is trying to say. Come on. There are those in this place, you need to be born again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't be shamed. Don't, come on. Look, we had dozens of people in the first service. Come on, how many are here? I need Jesus today. I need to be born again. I need that. I don't want, I want what God has for me. I want the life God has for me. I want to stand for Him. I don't want to bow down. I want to rise up. I want to be filled with strength. I want to be filled with anointing. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman that God has called me to be. I don't want to give up. I want to get out of this place I'm stuck and come to Him. I want to know the power, the authority, the resurrection life that God has made available for me. I want Jesus. Jesus. I need him in my life today and I desire to be born again. Look, born again means that you went from one place and you were born at a moment. It was a moment in time and you were born into a new life. You were born into a new way. Everything changed. Everything was transformed. It's not just a simple recognition about God. It's a place where I am born. When a baby is born, that baby's life goes through some transformation born again experience is a transformation of our life and if God is calling you to that look I'm just trying to be patient I don't, I don't want to move forward well God is speaking to some of your hearts still is there anybody else that needs to say yes Lord well this is your day this is the day Thank you, Lord. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're standing up, I want you to step out and I want you to come to this altar and I want the people of God to gather around and to pray with you, to pray for you and to pray that God would minister His grace into your life. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Don't be prideful. Just come on up to the altar. Let me also say this. The altar can't save you. You walking forward can't save you. A prayer can't save you. It's your heart and what you're allowing God to do in your life. That is what brings salvation to us. So come on, move around to the side over here. Come on and just come on up and let me have some of you others come on up and we're going to pray together. Come on, move forward. Come on up. Come on up. This is extremely important. This is the biggest decision you will ever make. You know what? When you were born, you couldn't control that. But this one, you had a choice. And today, you've chosen Jesus. Amen? Come on, move on up. If you need to move up, come on, move towards the front. Move up to the altar. Let those who are still in the aisles, let them come up. In church, I want the rest of you, as the Lord leads, I want you to come, and I want you to come pray with some people. I want you to come just ask God's blessing over them. This is now family. This is not just random people. These are family members, and I want you to come, and I want you to pray with them. Come on, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We pray for those who are here. We lift them up to you, Lord God. And we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Pour out your spirit fresh and new. Let there be a baptism of fire. Let there be a pouring out of your spirit. Seal in each one, Lord, the anointing, the power, and the authority of the Holy Spirit that, God, you would call them to yourself. God, I thank you for each one. I pray for the forgiveness of their sins and the cleansing of their souls. Let today be a day where there will be a washing, Lord, a washing in the blood of Jesus, a cleansing, Lord God, that only you can bring. I thank you, Lord God, for moving and ministering in each and every life. God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let there be more than enough, oh God, poured out in fullness and fire and grace and glory. Let there be, Lord God, forgiveness of sin. Come on, just call out from God to God. Ask Him, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me and cleanse me, oh God. I want to follow you. I want to follow you all the rest of my life, all the rest of my days. God, I want to know you. I want to know you and I want you to know me, Lord. Today, here I am. Fill me. Here I am. Touch me. Here I am. Minister to me. Here I am today, Lord God. I need you. I need you. I need you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just continue. Pray for each other. Pray for one another. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. This is the day of salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaking. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Cause he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So Peace that makes no sense.
about to begin. Church is not concluding. Church is about to start. Go be the church. Amen? Go be the light. Go be the redeemed. God bless you all.